0: It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield and Adam Candy, only on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go, Cofield and Company. Adam Candy is alongside Demon. Finley Toyota Studios on a Wednesday back out to the Summer League to close out the week Thursday and Friday. Today, middle of the show, is our good buddy, Justin Watkins. This is a Battle Born Injury Lawyers Day, so Justin will be in studio with us in just a little bit. And my God, I was going to be a smart-ass candy up on Twitter and be like, Man, oh man, you sports talkers on the slowest day of the year. What do we do? What do we do? I have too many stories to cover today! It is crazy... All that's going on, a lot of stuff with legal implications. We got the Aces on the road, so we got to get into that. After last night was an absolute showcase for the WNBA, at least in the arena. Uh, we're going to talk to Paul George later in the show. Also, old Isaiah Thomas, just uh, for the younger people out there. There was an original Isaiah Thomas, and then there was little Isaiah Thomas, even literal than uh, the original Indiana Detroit Piston. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, he went to Indiana University and played for the Detroit Pistons. So, All that said, Candy, what's going on, buddy?
1: Woke up this morning and wondered, what
0: are we going to talk
1: about? And then I opened my phone. Yeah. And that was it. That's all I had to do. Yeah. That was it. We, we were good for the day when we found out everything that was going on with the Raiders and John Gruden and Mark Davis and Danny Snyder and Raj and then
0: Bobby Baseball. Oh, yeah. I love waking Your up master. to some Bobby
1: Baseball. You're a master.
0: I I yep. You're a master. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, the gimp Adam Candy comes out of his chest and then uh, whatever Bobby's going to do. Bobby is going to do. You do realize that uh, the A's, there is something happening with the Oakland A's and Vegas just about every day. It's funny, uh, last, I think it was Friday or Saturday, one of the guys, there's been two guys who have been all over this in the Oakland area, and I appreciate the work they've done, and they're very passionate about it, and they've connected with the fans, and uh, Casey Pratt from ABC7, and also uh, Brody Brazil, and Brody did a video roundup of about five or six different people, and he actually featured... One of the FM music stations uh, that had been rolling video on a quick conversation on the A's. And I looked and I was like, well, uh, I can't get mad that we're not featured talking about the A's because we haven't. And I tweeted out, I'm like, I think the last 15 shows that we had done 15 minutes total on the A's because I was just tired of the topic. But there is some stuff brewing now over the MLB All-Star Weekend here, so we'll get to that Later in the hour, we got football to get to, so I'm, I'm done teasing. I'm done teasing. We're not supposed to do that. Uh, the experts say, let's get right to it. So let's get right to it. The story today, and I would recommend, <laughs> I'm not trying to call people stupid because I'm with you on my attention span now. I would recommend trying to read it in three or four parts. But ESPN.com comes out with a story, perfect timing. They know what they're doing, right? They had it ready for uh, the day after the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. It's a lot of what we think we knew with, Tons of additions to the story, and the story is Roger Goodell and John Gruden slash the Raiders and Dan Snyder and his organization and all the emails and how this whole thing came together and the way it played out was Dan Snyder, with the league, eventually royally effed the Raiders and John Gruden, but then Snyder, thinking he's all-powerful and impervious to... Ever being damaged, he actually effed himself, which, you know, generally is not possible, but he screwed himself in the end. So it takes you through that whole tale. And I mean, we have this thing broken down in like four or five parts. Uh, You and I agree on some of the biggest things. I thought the elaboration on the relationship of Goodell and Gruden was fascinating and it's a hard conversation to say because we're gonna you know we can talk about two different things here did John Gruden get screwed yes did John Gruden do it to himself yes but you can still talk about both of them it's not a well he did it to himself so everything after that is fair game. no 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 this is a massive game for Gruden around whataboutism and I hate whataboutism like, someone is faced with something. They've done something wrong. And their first offense is, well, what about that, this, that? No, you take ownership of what you did. But in this case, there is a lot of whataboutism. And this thing was pretty screwed up. But what a Don Van Natta, if people don't know the name, and also Seth Wickersham are tremendous investigative reporters. Don Van Natta's been on everything from you know, this story to steroids on, on a lot of levels. Wickersham has been the guy who has sent out stories, put together stories about the tumultuous days of the Patriots, which of course he was greeted by the New England area with that's bullcrap, fake news. He's been proven to be correct on most of it. There was an incredible amount of tumult, but uh, you know, you're more a writer than I am, Candy. And Candy writes, you know, full-time for the reportcom and has a lengthy lengthy resume writing i mean this is really impressive stuff and so many sources now a lot of the sources are not named but you can trust these guys in what they got the storytelling is sick well when it comes to the sources cofield they didn't
1: just say a source said it's really clear where every source was an ownership source someone close to this legal case etc etc you know that every person they talk to they're giving you enough information to say even if you didn't trust us you kind of have to and I'll tell you a quick aside before we get into this story I was covering the whole Raiders stadium development story and I woke up one morning in the middle of that to the bombshell of don Van Natta and seth wickersham writing about basically every detail that they could find about mark bedain the former raiders president and mark davis and Sheldon nadelson and and on and on and on and was one of those moments where i could do was just give you a giant shrug emoji like yeah i could never have done this this well and you know a lot of what we're talking about with this story has roots going back that far and well beyond because you're gonna to have to read it before you say something to us, right? If you wanna get involved in talking to us about this, you have to have read the whole thing because there's so much context to be had. But the biggest thing that I took away from it, beyond the fact that yes, John Gruden did get a raw deal, but he got a raw deal because Dan Snyder, someone who is even worse than him, offered him up as a sacrifice to Roger Goodell to try to save his own behind. And beyond that, it gives you insight in this story into one of the questions, Cofield, that I've never been able to figure out. Why did Mark Davis have such a man crush on John Gruden? What was it about Gruden that led Davis to give him 10 years and a hundred million dollars to come out of the booth, to come back onto the sidelines? And what you find out in this story is that they all have a common enemy And I think John Gruden's attitude toward Roger Goodell and a lot of John Gruden's attitude toward the NFL in general reminds Mark Davis a whole lot of how Pops felt about everything because Al Davis is the one who gave all of that attitude to John Gruden in the first place when he started coaching. I think Mark Davis sees a lot of his father in John Gruden Mm -hmm. and sees a lot of being able to bring that spirit back to the organization in a way that very honestly, Mark Davis has never been able to get the fans
0: behind himself. We're going to break this story down across uh, several fronts. Uh, one of my biggest impressions that I got from the story is what John Gruden wrote in emails was offensive. And, man, he covered the gamut, right? He covered everyone. He was making comments about uh, Demora Smith. He made disparaging remarks about women, uh, You know, anti-gay or slurs. I mean, he, he covered a lot of ground. And the NFL was like, wow, this is offensive. But the crazy thing is, as I read through the story, it seemed like upwards of 20, 25 different people had knowledge of the emails and what he wrote in the emails for months and months and months. And I think the exact date that the Wall Street Journal finally released the story was October 8, 2021. So going back to probably at least the summer, People knew about the story. And we're talking about, like, Rock Nation is a big part of this story. Rock Nation was brought in in an effort with Jay Z to sort of lead uh, diversity in African American initiatives, and they knew about it. I mean, you're talking about a company that should be at arm's length. They knew about it. Multiple owners knew about it. Lots of NFL executives knew about it. But we were all offended, and it was outrageous when it came out but they all sat on it that's that's how offended they were they all sat on it and kept it secret which means that they were partners in this you know hellish crime that Gruden committed and I do think Gruden was very offensive and we're going to we'll break it down throughout but for this many people to know and for all of them to go you know what we're just going to keep it secret cuz that's better for the league shame on all of them now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio with Steve Cofield and Adam Candy, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Just getting started here on this oh, Wednesday. Candy is here. Come on as well. We'll have some videos up a little later in the show. We'll try to go live with the... Uh, Big 4 4, which uh, today is actually the beginning of our conversation, our weekly conversation, with our legal insider and former assemblyman, Justin Watkins. So a lot more coming up on this blockbuster story. Just a lot more details, a lot more quotes. Builds out the path of Goodell and Snyder comboing to take out John Gruden and screw over the Raiders, and then eventually it all comes back at Snyder because he got too cocky, and then he went bye-bye. It's a long story, but it is well worth the read. Awesome, entertaining, and a lot of legal aspects that we need to discuss with Justin in a couple of minutes. I've been dying to get candy on this week because I know this one's right up his alley as well. So we're getting some more updates. There's a lot of he said, he said speculation, which I think we need to delve into a little bit. But the story is Pat Fitzgerald. You've got a Big Ten coach who played in the league, was a 17-year head coach with Northwestern, and the student newspaper took him down after the school did an investigation and didn't do much with it, the the student newspaper took over and found a lot of stuff and had a lot of people who wanted to speak about Pitt, Pat Fitzgerald and the program that he's been running. Candy, what was your initial reaction, and now that you've seen some follow up, because there definitely is a side that supports Pat Fitzgerald, a side that thinks Fitzgerald is going to be able to sue the pants off of Northwestern, and then there's another side, you know, led by these young journalists and a bunch of former players. Who had their stories corroborated by others who believe that Fitzgerald was running a you know bizarro old school intimidation you know hazing program
1: there's a few things that have to get sorted out here first of all when we call them student journalists remember that northwestern might be the preeminent journalism program in the country and so you've got all sorts of alumni all across the country who've come out of that program jay adande's and michael wilbon's of the world have all cut their teeth at the Daily Northwestern. So this is not like a couple of kids got a wild hair up their butt. This is a real publication and real journalists who are going after this story. And I think what you're seeing, Cofield, is new school, old old school, and what we're going to see anytime a story about air quotes hazing comes up because there are so many people who believe that this is how you toughen guys up, that this is the way you should go. That this is the way I did it, and I had to go through this, and I did Hell Week, and I did Two-a-Days, and I had to do all these things that now get considered to be either hazing or bullying, and they don't like it. And then there's the much more modern crowd that says, hey, a lot of these things that you thought were okay are traumatizing to people. They're mentally traumatizing. You don't have to be physically hazed or abused for this to be bad. So I think a lot of what you see with people coming out defending Pat Fitzgerald and people who are also saying no no this was the right thing to do and these allegations are real is a product of what we see today in a lot of places in society with this. The biggest takeaway I have though is what in the hell is going on with the administration at Northwestern.
0: Well it's like a lot of places. What
1: world? Yeah. Well let's talk about this. Indefinite suspension. Mhm two-week suspension. Uh, Let's fire him. I don't know. I don't know. Throw a dart tomorrow and let's see what happens. This is supposed to be one of the top 10 universities in the country by U.S. News and World Report rankings, and they are acting like they have absolutely no clue how to handle this.
0: Like I said, it's like a lot of places around college football, the football program and the coach is more powerful than the president. They're afraid of the backlash. There's also legal aspects to it, and we'll get to that. It's not easy with these contracts to just fire someone and potentially leave. You know, it's big money. You know, if uh, someone's got seven years left on the contract at $5 mil a year, I mean, you're putting at risk $35 million. Now, does that trump doing the right thing? Of course not. If you need to go to court to fight it. Uh, but if you want that representing your school, and if you're a fan who believes that that's the only person in the world who can coach your school and allow those methods, you're pathetic. You are completely pathetic, and believe me, we went through this with Penn State, which was uh, a lot worse because it was it was kids that they were covering up for, for uh, Jerry Sandusky for years and years and years. Joe Paterno knew about it. He's a scumbag. He'll be a scumbag forever. If you back him, you've got issues in the head. You've been sickened by the power of college football and college sports. You have problems to deal with, so go get some help, and- if you're doing the thing, the same thing with Northwestern, and I want to see more facts on this, I want to see more of an investigation, but I think the reporting here is pretty strong, but it's like you said, people are traumatized because that's how they were trained, and they think they were toughened that way, and every era is the same, Candy. I've gone through now, you know, being a kid, being a 20-something, being a 40-something, approaching being, you know, a 60-something. I'm not rushing to get there, right? And all I hear from the people above me age-wise over the years is kids these days, kids, like people get weaker and more frail and scared when they get older, so they want to defend the ways of the past. Listen, if you were motivated by being intimidated, that's on you, because that ain't the way I'm motivated. I'm also not motivated by being humped. So I will say this every day we talk about this. I don't know what world you grew up in where you're like, hey, you know what? We need to hump someone because that's going to build team camaraderie. Like, what? And then there's guys like this, and this is why you understand. And it's not only the former players, it's coaches. Now, this guy's a horse's ass, but he, he has this theme all the time. His name is Jason Brown. He was on Last Chance U. He's a JUCO coach. He's not coaching anymore. I'll explain why he's not coaching anymore because he doesn't get why he's not coaching anymore. But these were some of his comments on just how soft everyone is. We live in a soft time. I understand it. That's why I'm not coaching, obviously. But here's the thing about it. They're firing him based on former players and admin and staff allegations, not current ones. Current players have come forth and said he didn't do any of this and it did not happen on premise or in the locker room. Who knows? I'm not there. Who knows what's really going on? All I know is we continue to see this, and I'm seeing a lot of sabotage by these soft, made-ass players all around America, hence the portal. Wait a second. He's saying the players now aren't going after – Fitzgerald. Then he talks about the players now and calls them bitch made. Right. Thanks for peeping that out, Damon, But everyone needs to know what he said there. Um, and by the way, this guy—I don't know how big he is. He, you know, he's a former Independence uh, Community College coach. He was on Last Chance U. Um, I love this by former players. You know what, dude? Go walk up to, you know, one of the former linemen who talks about feeling uncomfortable from a racial standpoint, who is now probably standing at six four and two hundred eighty pounds, and go go say that to his face. Let's see if you can do that. Right. And by the way, this guy who constantly goes on social media and talks about how soft players are is not coaching anywhere right now. And we cut off part of the quote there. He's like, well, you know, everyone's soft. That's why I'm not coaching. Bro, you were up on eight felony charges for being an imposter attorney, writing letters to people. Uh, Beyond that, you also told a player that you were going to be his Hitler. That's why you're not coaching. You're also illiterate. So who the hell would coach you to coach a real football program but it's just like people build up these excuses. Well, that's, that's what happened to me, man. Everything's too soft now. No, if you think things are too soft now, you've got problems. You were motivated the wrong way. You haven't come to grips with it. And you're not capable of morphing and evolving. And I know that's all strong stuff going at that one guy. But it's that attitude candy and that culture that allows this to go on and makes players who are currently playing almost all afraid to tell the truth, if you're going to go after the whole idea of,
1: well, it's not players now, it's players from then <laughs> who are talking. You know who just got stabbed in prison the other day? Our old friend, Dr. Larry Nasser, who was convicted of abusing dozens of gymnasts. I don't remember it being current gymnasts that had to say anything about what was going on for it to be a major problem that Dr. Larry Nasser had abused people serially over the course of a number of years. It was those who had been abused a long time. And if we want to talk about when the apparent what statute of limitations in someone's head is Hmm. for this, then we are setting up a straw man that is a bunch of crap. We're not doing it. We're not going to do it. And there is a big, big difference, big, huge enormous difference between the idea of being coached to be tough and being abused you can do one without doing the other i can think back on some of the coaches i had in high school who had no room for crap right they you they didn't like the way you were talking they didn't like the way you were practicing get on the end line and run and you run suicides until you're about ready to puke yeah but they didn't deny us water they didn't belittle us. They just had standards that we had to live up to. This is completely and totally different. And there can be a distinction if we want to try to get everybody from all the generations together. You can be tough and not be abusive.
0: And now what's happening, again, you have a he said, he said, because there's former players who are saying, hey, Fitzgerald's awesome. Listen, maybe he was to you. Maybe you didn't see any of this, or maybe you were just so battle-scarred from you know, high school football that you just accepted this. Uh, But, again, I think it's really weak-minded if the only way you can motivate kids is to have other players get physical with them or or you intimidate them or they intimidate them. That means you have communication skill problems, right? Like you're not comfortable coming out of your shell and coaching a different way. And now the weird thing is you'll have social media, you know, supposed legit sources because they have a bunch of Twitter followers sending out, oh, I wonder who it could be, you know, amongst – current players who maybe were part of the investigation or we'll call them former because now they're not with the program. They're in the transfer portal. And one of the guys that someone threw out, Candy, that was named was a kid named Carl Richardson. So when I saw the name, he's a former quarterback at Northwestern, you know, just recently. I'm like, wait a second. Oh, yeah, that's right. That kid's from Northern California. He's the son of Kevin Richardson, who's a color voice for San Jose State football. And again, everyone out there is like, "I know Pat Fitzgerald and what he'd allow and what he would stop." No, you don't. No, you don't. Candy, you don't know what I would do. You have no idea. I might say something, but I also might be incredibly weak, or you know, you you, you don't know. You don't know. So I'm going to say that as a preface to this, the Kevin Richardson. and I don't know him like super well, but when I talk to him and I know his background, he's a Stanford guy. He's he's a he's a really good football analyst. He's also he's built himself a, a you know a, a nice career. Talking to him, you get the impression, like, he played the game. He gets it. And I can't wait to talk to him down the road. I don't know when he can speak about this, because the fact that his kid is being mentioned by randos on Twitter, I'm sure there's going to be some legal implications here, but I think people have to be real careful about character assassination, and I know Fitzgerald is probably not getting, you know, public due process here because he was fired, and I'd like to see a lot more on this, and I want to see him speak on this, and this is going to go to court, uh, but... This just pointing at people and going, well, these guys say there's nothing wrong with Fitzgerald. These guys say there's something, uh, there is something wrong with Fitzgerald. Well, they're wrong. They're weak. They're the tattles. They're the snitches. They're the pansies. Folks, this is a very believable story. Because how many times has it happened now, Candy? Where we go to, and I'm going to call Evanston, even though it's by Chicago, you know, small town. But we go to these pockets in the SEC and the Big Ten, and you're like, how much can a coach get away with here? The impossible part for me to understand is that that's not Northwestern. Yeah. Northwestern is not a school that cares about football that way. But
1: they, but it's never do. been that but school. But they
0: do. They're, you're forced into caring when you're in the Big Ten and you're getting $90 million a year. Even your standards can get weakened in terms of they upholding. Can, you know, we, can, uh, At Northwestern, I'm assuming, hey, we're better than the rest of – we're not Ohio State. We do it differently, and even they succumb to it. Well, I'll tell you what. If you want to talk about the idea of I know Pat Fitzgerald, if you're one of those people, if you're one of his
1: former players, if you're a fan of Northwestern, that's not what I see from him. That's not what I've ever heard. That's not what it seems like. Remember what we talked about 15 minutes ago with John Gruden? Did y'all think John Gruden was a raging racist before you saw a bunch of emails come out? No. Did John Gruden tell you that he knows what's really in his heart? Yeah, it's not that different. Now back to Cofield and Company in the
0: Finley Toyota Studio with Steve Cofield and Adam Candy on ESPN Las Vegas. It's amazing. Demond and I were just talking during a break, Candy, about you know the equity that Fitzgerald had built up had eroded. Pat Fitzgerald, you know, fired the other day. Hazing, uh, scandal, allegations, racial stuff, and in this case, like, hey, with Joe Paterno, listen, the guy won a lot of games. He was a thousand years old, people were afraid of him. It's tough to bring a guy down like that. In the case of Fitzgerald, I mean, his program was fading too. And I know he's you know, he's a legend there and played, but my God, like how how unculturable do you think your program is? And by the way, Northwestern actually is going to put a bunch of money in. They, I think they already built like a $300 million uh, tr- athletic training facility, and they're putting $800 million. So that that whole athletics versus academic side, like they've broken through. They're, they're adding – whatever they're adding to that stadium, it's going to cost $800 million. Let me tell you, when uh, traveling with UNLV to go to a game that Sanchez coached a few years back at Northwestern, that place is a dump. So they've made a commitment to football – And then this is what you get back? If you're the leaders of the university, you're on the academic side, you're like, what the hell did we just let happen here?
1: It's a private university. They've got alumni with more money than God himself. Mm -hmm. Like, It's really not money that they don't have in any way. This is not a major effort for Northwestern to do this. It is what is required to compete in the Big Ten. And they really haven't been competitive in the Big Ten for a while now, unless you enjoy legions of 10-7 games and a
0: 7-6 season. (laughs) So, this is a big day for football, yes, July 12th, because we found out about some cool programming coming up. We'll get to the Jets, officially official on Hard Knocks. I think we knew this was coming. But today was the debut, and I'm not going to ruin it here for a couple of days. You know, do your homework assignment, Cofield and Company listeners. (laughs) Netflix has a... Eight-part series coming up called Quarterback. Do you know about what's going on with this thing in terms of the, the lead-in and what they did last season? Oh, Cofield, I'm like that. Okay. I'm like that. Yeah. Are you down with this? You know I know. So they followed quarterbacks. Oh, just, oh,
1: yeah, all of it. All yeah. of it. I'm, I'm down for every moment that I, I haven't watched, of course. I, I'm down for every moment that is going to show me just how much of a badass Patrick Mahomes knows he is. And then every moment that Kirk Cousins is going to make me hide from the screen like I'm watching succession.
0: <laughs> and there's no intrigue for you in Marcus Mariota. Because this is layered, man. You got the best quarterback in football. You got a guy who gets disrespected all the time, but it's pretty good. And then you got a guy who's kind of on his last legs as a starter with the Falcons. It ended oddly because he didn't finish the season. Now he's with the Eagles. I, I think the fact that they covered all, you know, all different levels of quarterbacks. Is going to be one of the fascinating things here. While one guy's riding high, Mariota at the end of the season is like, I can't play right now. I mean, and they uh, the most intriguing thing is that they have
1: maybe the single most dominant athlete in professional sports right now, right? Yep. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a story that has been sanitized in a lot of ways because he became big, he works in a media market that isn't huge. And by the time he got big, then we started seeing him in commercials and really all we knew about Patrick Mahomes was, we knew about Brittany Mahomes and champagne being sprayed and we knew about Jackson Mahomes and all of his TikTok troubles. And we didn't really know that much about Patrick Mahomes other than he was the son of Pat Mahomes and he was a really good football player. And now I think we're finally going to get to
0: see more of the Patrick Mahomes personality that is going to round out the picture. I will be watching this tonight. It definitely will be viewed tonight. Uh, Willie, by way of Damon, have me back on The Idol on HBO, which got canceled and is universally disliked. But Willie, I think, sort of likes it. So I'm back on that. I watched episode two last night because I had watched episode one, and I didn't think it was very good. That was like two months ago. I watched two. I was bored to tears. I couldn't follow it. Maybe I'm too stupid or I was on my phone too much. So I will. Uh, it'll be a quarterback the idol night, which uh, are very different programs. Let's, let's just say that. Uh, giveaway time. 364-1100, 364-1100. Let's give away more tickets to the NBA Summer League. This thing's been fantastic. Sellouts to start. Uh, now you can get in. Now you can get in, UNLVtickets.com. We've got tickets, a four-pack. DeMond's got them. Summer League is here until the 17th. All 30 teams are participating until they whittle it down here. Uh, UNLVtickets.com. Caller 7, you are hooked up with NBA Summer League tickets, 364-1100. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio with Steve Cofield and Adam Candy, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Justin Watkins up in about 15 minutes. Legal insider. Man, we got a lot of legal stories to get to. We were just talking about the Northwestern firing of Pat Fitzgerald. A lot of people think, hey, you know what? Now Northwestern made a mistake. They're going to get sued. We've got the Gruden lawsuits continuing. And there was some stuff in this story by ESPN today, if you missed it. Great story on Goodell. To Gruden, to Snyder, to Mark Davis, to Jeff Pash, one of the big names in the league. Sounds like he could be in those uh, uh, 650,000 emails. So I can't wait. If those ever come out, holy crap, the league is going to be torn down. So that's coming up. Some legal questions on that front. Adam Candy, Cofield, and Damon here on ESPN Las Vegas. So we just mentioned football, football, football show is up on Netflix, but I think it's going to be fascinating, and a lot of people are going to be talking about QB eight-part series on quarterbacks around the national football league headed up by Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota. Well, one of the biggest names of the last 20 years on the quarterbacking front is in New York with the Jets, Candy. Not your Giants. I know you're laughing at me. There's going to be some drama. It's going to be interesting. If they don't win, look out. There's going to be some problems. And we will get the Jets on hard knocks, I mean, it is ready-made for HBO and the NFL. I, th- I don't know how they could turn it down. I don't think the Jets want to do this, but it's real, Candy. It's real. Jets on Hard Knocks. It's real, and it's spectacular. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. So good. So
1: good. This is everything I could have asked for. I wore Jets green today <laughs> just to celebrate the occasion. Uh, Aaron Rodgers zach wilson woody johnson robert sala the new york market you know those cameras have probably been trailing aaron Rodgers to every stop he's already made along the way when he's been showing up at the knicks game and the rangers game and he's been going down to bodegas and the bronx and finding all the latest designer drugs and it's going to be just fantastic i'm going to enjoy every moment of this cofield how about you you're a jets fan Aren't you excited? Don't you want to see every moment of this new chapter in Jets history chronicled?
0: So I should explode in anger because I'm sure that's what a lot of uh, you know Jets followers, especially the New York media, is doing, and that's a smart thing to do on Sports Talk Radio is talk about how terrible this is going to be. I don't think it's going to be terrible. I want to see it. I don't believe that there is some sort of jinx on the teams that appear on Hard Knocks. I think the number in 14 years is one playoff win from all those teams, but isn't there, you know, at least recently a commonality amongst the teams? They're generally not good. They're generally not good. So on the show, there's enthusiasm. There's optimism, like last year with the Lions. And they turned the corner and they, you know, they they made some headway. But usually the teams aren't good. There's some flaws on the teams. Do I think this team is flawed? Yeah, they they still have some flaws. Uh, you know, am I fired up to bet over nine and a half on the win total? No. I could see them finishing nine and eight, eight and nine, you know, seven and 10. Rodgers has to stay healthy. Their offensive line has to stay healthy. But yeah, in terms of the, am I going to sit here and piss and moan about the, the Jets being our hard knocks? I mean, you know what it is. You're a Giants fan, so you've been looking down your nose at us forever. You know what it is to be a Jets fan. We're not relevant. We've been a laughing stock. We've had pockets, and I'm only going to do the we thing. Why not? Uh, Jay Mack did it on Colin Cowherd over on Fox Sports Las Vegas, and he's one of my idols, so I'll I'll do we. Yeah, we have not been relevant. So the fact that we're actually, the Jets are actually appearing on a major show to start off the football season, it's kind of cool. And listen, I am into sports documentaries. I always want to learn more about the subjects that I covered or are watching or following. So yeah, I want to see it. Is that a bad attitude on my part? Like, Jets are screwed. You're an idiot. No.
1: And hey, bud, <laughs> like, it's not that I look down uh, my nose it. at you as as a Giants fan. I, I mean, just do. as a Jets fan, I don't even really know you're there. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's just kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't it doesn't really matter. Like, here's yeah. you know, I I enjoyed it when you had Rex Ryan, which was the true what that was the apex of hard. Not, let's go eat. A GD snack yes. was maybe the single best moment in the Close. history of Hard Knocks, Close. and that's actually what I'm worried about. Yeah. Can you top the last Jets Hard Knocks? And I say you can, but you gotta lean in. Oh yeah, and and you gotta lean all the way in and not worry about jinxes because you're right. This team, I think, is good, and I think if everything breaks right for the Jets, the, the ceiling's pretty high this year. But. I don't think you can worry about how hard knocks affects all of that. If you want to send Zach Wilson to a nursing home on what's just considered to be, you know, like a Jets charity goodwill mission, just see who see who he talks to, see who he strikes up a conversation with, right? See see who he chats up. See if he has a little Cofield in him. Right? See <laughs> see if he uh, we, we, we know he's we know he's a bit of a MILF hunter. Like, like, is there any chance that Zach's a gilf hunter? You think? You think he <sighs> might? Uh, you think he yeah. might
0: be competition for you? Wouldn't that be great? If I was available, and I'm not, you know, with the so, this is other, another to go on the town with Zach Wilson and gilf Hunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh baby! Just, just, oh just, just, man! Just shaking! Wow! You, you, you boys, you boys are going to be breaking some hearts and some hips. I was going to say, speak for yourself, but I think you meant me. I don't think you meant the gilfs. <laughs> it's good. I think what it's a, what a, whatever whatever a great story. You
1: <laughs> However, you
0: I mean, let, let's be honest. If Zach Wilson, there should be like five minutes on him. Hey, here's time to get motivated, get your crap together, learn from the legend. That's cool. Beyond that, I I hope Rogers leans into this. You used that term earlier. I hope he gives access because every episode has to have a lot of Aaron Rodgers in there and all the stuff off the field. He's a fascinating character, and even if he just cooperates a little bit, the material is going to be there throughout, which, you know, it's funny. It reminds me of the year that the Raiders were on, and Gruden should have been, I think, even a, a bigger factor uh, in that show. I don't know what happened. Either the Raiders nixed a lot of the coverage, or HBO got bored with Gruden. Like, go where your bread is buttered. I mean, it's a New York market, uh, and, and Robert Sala, Brown. I guess, is kind of interesting, but, and they have some other interesting players, but is, this whole thing is about Aaron Rodgers and what could be his last year. Well, what we got, we got blown off about the whole thing with the Raiders, and I remember that these days,
1: Cofield, it, we were dealing with the Antonio Brown helmet situation in the middle of that Raiders hard knocks, right? Antonio Brown hijacked that whole thing. So even if you wanted to go all in on Gruden, I don't know that HBO really felt like they could go all in on Gruden. And so it was a total mess. So now you come back and really you only have one storyline that people care about unless something emerges and, and it's Rogers. And of course, the way this guy works, would you be at all surprised if Aaron Rogers starts a brand new celebrity relationship with a thirst trap of the week about a week before this whole thing gets started? Come on it would be perfect
0: it would be absolutely perfect wait what what is is he doing it for the show what what's what do you mean what do you think it would be beyond
1: aaron Rodgers and his public persona the a brand new interesting relationship that would have more of him featured would be out there oh so you now. you think he wants to be featured oh i th- i think at the heart of it aaron Rodgers loves all of this come on man was he, was he out there sitting courtside at the Knicks game or on the glass at a Rangers game because he's so worried about the cameras being on him? Was he off doing reclusive things? Was he off at his darkness retreat this offseason? No, he was living it up on the town in New York. He was enjoying the fact that for once, his offseason didn't have to happen in Green Bay, Wisconsin, for as much of it as he actually participated in in Green Bay, Wisconsin. No, he can actually go to New York and be part of the scene now. And that's... I mean look, has nothing about Aaron Rodgers suggests that he is afraid of the camera or doesn't want the attention. Let's never pretend that. Let's never pretend it's a burden on
0: him. Yeah, I think all the stuff of the New York sports events, New Jersey sports events, were a work to deliver to local media and the fans to try to warm up to him a little bit. Because there's gonna be some rocky times with the media. I would I mean, I hope for his purposes, if he wants to be self serving, I hope he actually mixes in some of the, hey, let's legalize more drugs. Let's do psychedelics. Let's talk about ayahuasca. Let's get that in there. But I don't know what... How, who has control of this thing? HBO, the Jets, or the NFL? You know, it's Raj going to look well, down, you know, look across the river and go, whoa whoa, 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 let's not talk about psychedelics, bro. Hey, I mean, look, everybody who doesn't know
1: this, the team always has final cut over what goes out, right? The, the Jets can nix anything that HBO has, so... No guarantee that anything Aaron Rodgers says gets on there. But how long ago was it that Aaron Rodgers was quite rightfully the enemy of science when the COVID vaccine was out there? We haven't gone that far away from being immunized versus vaccinated, have we? No. So I'm sure that that the league will have its finger on the dump button, but I don't know that the league is going to get rid of that much i don't know the jets are going to get rid of that much you just talked about how they want to be relevant right well you don't be relevant
0: by putting out a boring product in new york can woody johnson and aaron Rodgers, woody of course the owner can they have an initial conversation about johnson and johnson's vaccine and then then come together talking about the 2024 election that would be good content i don't yeah i have no idea what could trump that oh boy Thank you. I walked Thank you. Right two into two hours that. to go, by the way. I walked right into that. Like I'm a little kid mm-hmm. trying to shag balls in a home run derby. Mm-hmm. Which by the way and, you, and not, you did get hit in the face. Not not to take not to take us off track. Damon, pop on for a second. Uh there are some things that I <laughs> I consider myself a seasoned veteran and have learned the language of dancing around certain topics and others, I'm just like I can't control myself, so I'm not going to discuss that. Candy got me earlier with the uh, the guilt conversation, but I started to bring up the kid getting nailed by a line drive. That was off the bat of Pete Alonso, right? Or was it off the bat of Vladdy?
1: I have no idea.
0: I, I, think, I was look, hoping we didn't that screw was that was not up the yesterday. end of that clip that I was
1: interested in. Yeah, the,
0: the end of the <laughs> clip, of course, was Pete Alonso at the plate dancing, so I assumed it was Pete Alonso. But anyway, um, as I told the story... Um, and it's, this has nothing to do with the fact that I don't like kids. Like I don't want them to get maimed on the field at a home run derby, but thank thanks you just, for clearing that up. It's just the action of the kid just get, I mean, just getting drilled to the dome and going down in a heap. And I just forget, I forget because I went off on baby Gronk about a month ago and DeMond looked at me like, Whoa, take it easy, bro. So I try not to bring up these, these situations with these, these teenage kids, but, uh, what an update today. What a sigh of relief in the morning. When I saw on TMZ Sports that uh, Junior, who got nailed in the face, is going to be okay. He actually attended the home run derby. He's going to be okay. There were no uh, real debilitating effects. So I know Damon was ready. There's no, there really is no reason for the dump button outside of some cusses. But Damon was looking at the dump button like, why are you laughing at this kid getting hit in the face? Hey. Sorry, DeMond.
1: Uh No, it's fine. I mean, you like to see kids get injured. I'm sure there's a whole TikTok know. algorithm built for people like you. That's like how uh, that kid had it coming. Oh, there's in. no algorithm built for people. like. <laughs> there, there's no algorithm that in one, in one moment serves you children getting hit in the face yeah. by baseballs, and in the next moment is just shirtless old men with slicing machines showing <laughs> you the best way to make a sandwich
0: with the gabagool. I haven't had the, uh, the slicer guy. There is a slicer guy. I haven't had him come up on TikTok in a while. No, I do not like to see kids get hurt, but I don't mind having a chuckle, or chuckle at their expense and... I'll tell you, over the years, one of the, my favorite uh, memes or uh, a gif was: you ever see the picture of a tombstone that says Santa is dead, and there's a kid next to it just crying? I'll tell you, that one always gets me. It, and I love Santa, <laughs> and I protect the kids when it comes to Santa, but just seeing the kid cry, I'm like, wow, that's, that is something. See what I mean? It's something. No. <laughs> yes, it is something. On. Four o'clock hours on the way. Justin Watkins is uh, headed into the uh, Finley Toyota Studios to break things down.